I went to my buddy's dad banker in our small town. I'm like, Hey, I want to buy these apartments for 1.25 million. Here's 80 grand. And he's like, Hey, Andrew, like, mind you, know, I'm, I'm in 10th grade in high school here. So I'm like, Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Andrew Abernathy. Andrew, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I am doing well. A little bit about Andrew. He's the chairman and founder of Abernathy Holdings. And they are a class A developer that has capitalized on the vertical integration from inception to completion through operation. And um, the Abernathy Holdings is uh, mainly, or is, is self-storage, self-storage solutions across uh, the largest cities in America. Born and raised in North Dakota. And we just found out before the show that uh, I used to go up to his neck of the woods uh, to go deer hunting. So that's kind of a small, small world, man. When, when you think, think about that, and I love uh, it. I love yeah, that. love it. So, but with, with that said, Andrew, why don't you give our listeners a bit more about your background and, and what you guys are focused on today? Yeah, for sure. So I uh, grew up with five siblings. There's six of us on a family farm, uh, North of Minot, North Dakota by the Canadian border. And, um, I started to get into business really young. You know, I was 10 years old, running grain cart for five bucks an hour, doing anything I could, working at a local John Deere dealership, washing equipment, um, saved $4,000 up by the time I was 14. Um, I had 6,000, but I bought a red go-kart, so I had four <laughs> left. I mean, can you blame me, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, that, that age, you should be really thinking about your future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, putting it aside, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was a weird kid, that's for sure. Uh, in a good way, I think. But uh, the, the market, when I was 14, I was, my birthday was March 23rd, and that was in 09. And as people know, uh, March 5th, I think, don't quote me, was kind of the bottom of the market in the recession there. And um, I put 4,000 bucks in. I mean, it was dumb luck when I started, you know. So you put it in the stock market? Correct. Four yeah. grand. Okay. Yep. Uh, Ford, 99 cents, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, 30 some cents. It's just, you know, dumb luck. And by the time I was in 10th grade, so 2010, uh, that 4,000 turned to 80,000 because it rebounded pretty quick, you know, after that bottom. Um, so then I cashed all that out and parallel, my brother and I took over my grandpa's farmland. So we were farming and we were bringing some combines down to South Dakota, do some custom combining. I mean, anything I could do to, to make some money, right? I was just hustling. Hmm. And, um, and on the way down to, Biz, uh, to South Dakota, we went through Bismarck. And I'm a history nerd and the oil boom back in the eighties brought a lot of inflation to Williston first, then Minot, then Bismarck. And in 2010, 11, the same thing was happening. The oil same boom was thing. coming back, except yeah. Bismarck was hanging out like nothing's going on. Hmm. I'm like, hmm, maybe it's, you know, maybe I should buy something here. Cause Minot was inflated. Williston was inflated. So I found these apartments, um, a 16 plex nice, very nice old couple. They've had them since the nineties and they were moving to Seattle. And anyways, I went to my buddy's dad banker in our small town. I'm like, Hey, I want to buy these apartments for 1.25 million. Here's 80 grand. And he's like, Hey, Andrew, like, mind you, I'm, I'm in 10th grade in high school here. So I'm like, I was going to say, are you still in high school at this time? Yeah, like, yeah. are you really still in high school doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Give you the timeline. So anyways, he's like, Andrew, you know, 
I, we need a PG and we're going to need another 300,000 down on top of your 80, right? Especially because it's in Bismarck. That's three hours away. So I went and I'm like, okay, you know, I printed off Warren Buffett's 1956 partnership agreement, whited the names out. And I drove around and I got 300 grand in a couple of days from some farmers um, in Crosby area. Went back to this individual. I'm like, hey, here you go. And, uh, and we bought them. And luckily, before the oil dipped, again, this is another dumb luck moment. Before the oil dipped in 2014, we sold them about 12, um, 13 to the city for a couple million bucks. So we were able to net a million on that 380 within like 15, 16 months. And that was kind of the start. Um, you know, I can let you ask me questions you have, because now we kind of escalate into the next chapter. I'm just graduating high school. And that's kind of where I was at that point. So before you graduated high school, that's, that's pretty amazing. What, a, what an amazing journey. How many people are <laughs> too afraid to start because they're too young, you know? Yeah. So how did you like, was it, was it just like, you just had this, you, you didn't care or, or like when you go to go to ask people for money, you go to ask these, are these farmers you knew or. Yeah. You know, we knew them some way, somehow, you know, again, everybody already knows, knows you somehow, or we know them. And, and when I first started raising money, I wasn't nervous because like I went to the first guy and I'm like, Hey, if I fail, I'll, I'll work for free that first deal. And if I fail, you can keep my 80. So, I mean, you know, for him, the downside was pretty limited. And for me, I could have lost everything, but I didn't care. I mean, every other kid didn't have any money. So I'm like, well, if I lose my 80, then I'll be like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else at 16, they, they maybe get, you know, $5 a, a week for allowance or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you're sitting there, you go to these farmers, you ask them and, and did, did everyone you ask say yes, or did, did you have to go through a lot? Well, the first one I went to was the first guy said yes. Um, but it was a pretty sweet deal, right? For free. And in my 80,000, if I fail, can, you can keep it. So he had a, so that was, but when I, then, then when I sold it and we had a million and he's like, Hey, I want you to have 300 of this. And then I want you to keep the rest of my money in, but I need you to charge me this time. So I went back to our family lawyer. I'm like, Hey, you know, want I want to go raise 10 million bucks. I was, I was a big dreamer. So he's like, Oh, okay. Mind you, I'm like 18, 17. And he's like, okay, well, I can't do that. But I know a guy in Fargo five hours away. So I drove there in my white Lumina, 94 Lumina. And I'm like, Hey, I need a, a document. He's like, well, you need a private placement memorandum, a PPM, and you need to file, you know, you can only sell to credit and qualified all the rules. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. You know, draw it up. So it was 12,000 bucks I spent on it. And then I went back home. So just, a, in- just a fund. This was a fund. Did you have yeah. like an idea yet what you were going to actually do? It was a blank fund. It was a pool fund. It was like, hey, we got a million bucks. We're throwing it in. I'm going to raise another nine. And I did this in the market. I did this in Bismarck and I'm going to go do something else. So it was like a blind, a blind fund. I think they call it again. I was, I was building the airplane as I was flying it, they say. Yeah. Right. And so I was in college. I bought a house there. I was renting the rooms out again, to do anything to make money. And uh, I was back farming. Um, it was raining outside and I was like, well, I'm going to go try to raise some money. So I had this document. I drove around to like 10 farms that day and farming was good. Everything's timing, right? Timing. And I, I raised a hundred grand a door on average. So I raised a million bucks in a day. So now I'm at two. I'm like, holy smoked. Okay. So I ended up fast forward. I raised that 10 million bucks in like 10 or 12 months. Wow. 
And that's when we started focusing, um, you know, on, we bought an equipment dealership in Montana um, and we, we bought into an insurance company in Alabama and we just kind of started going. And it wasn't until, you know, 2015, 16, that I realized that I needed to focus on something. I mean, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on stuff. I got some mentors and one mentor told me like, Hey, Andrew, you're doing really good, but you know, you're, you're good at a lot of things. But you're not great at anything. And I needed to hear that. It meant a lot. And so we started focusing on self-storage and anything we can own to build it. So luckily I owned assets that were perfect. I own the equipment dealership and I own the insurance. These things played into that plan. Um, so again, I'll stop there. I don't want to throw too much info at, at once. Man, I mean, no, it's super intriguing. It's, it's, it's just, it, it just, I can't believe, like, it's hard to believe story because yeah, nobody at that age goes and does that. And everybody's afraid of raising money when they're young. And, yeah. and you just kind of hear it too. Like, well, you're young, you're, you, you know, people aren't going to trust you yet. How are they, you don't have the experiences. Who's going to trust you with your money i mean was was there some of that or did everybody just trust you because they knew the family or yeah no that's a great question i think timing was everything so like you know there's three times in history that i can count the last hundred years where farming was just like really good and this was one of them and oil boom was there farming was good so you had people that one nobody in the whole world ever goes to mid north dakota to raise money two farmers well, yeah they're not hit up by people yeah, and a lot of them have money yeah. And it's a tight community mm-hmm. and trust. And, and I, and I, I, I did everything for them as I promised and, and they knew I would, and I did, and it was just a trust thing. So well, I you weren't that. a kid from the city either. Correct. I think that Correct. probably helps a lot. It helps a lot. So, you know, fast forward a little bit. I mean, I just went, I was okay with here and no, and the, you know, hundred grand might've been 1% or, or half a percent of their net worth. You know, I'm not saying it's not a lot of money. It is. And I did have a lot of sleepless nights, but I made the bed. I, I, I slept in it. This is stressful. You know, I remember like I was almost, my brain was ahead. You know, my actions were ahead of my brain. So I remember like, yeah, I'm gonna raise all this money. And I did it so fast. I remember waking up one morning in like my early twenties after I've raised like 10 or 20 million at the time. And I'm just like, holy smokes. All right, Andrew, like this is big, right? Like I dropped out of college because my dad, my dad's awesome. My parents are amazing. My dad called me once. He never told me what to do, but he called me and said, Andrew, I'm not going to tell you what to do. If you want to go to college and have fun, great. So did I. But you need to give the money back until you're out of college because that's not fair to them. Or if you want to drop out of college and manage it, you can do that too. But I don't blame you either way. You just got to make a decision. So I made the decision to drop out. And um, looking back, it's, you know, best decision I made. I don't regret it at all. And you know, we've raised, I think, 50 million today. I've raised so far. Um, and we're well over 100 million in assets now. And, uh, you know, we're, de- we're developing self-storage facilities from ground up, you know, all over here in Arizona. And, and uh, they're 12, 13 million a project. And it's pretty fun. So are all your assets right now, is it mainly uh, Arizona, all your self-storage, or are you doing self-storage in North Dakota? None in North Dakota. We have a really strict criteria. Um, we need a 100,000 people, three mile radius. We need 100,000 household income, three mile radius. On and visible from a main interstate, 70,000 vehicles per day. And we're achieving a buck 70 a foot or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and North Dakota just sadly um, couldn't. Well, you can't hit like any of those. Yeah. Right. Um, There's not but, enough so, people. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have our equipment dealership in Great Falls, which we sell equipment, municipal and construction equipment. That started in 1947. We bought it in 15. Um, we own a construction company. We own a garage door dealership. We're opening a title company. Um, so like our competitors are building these facilities for 12 million each. You know, we're about 11 million. So we build on average three a year right now. I'm hoping to get to 12 a year in the next five, six years. Hmm. Um, so before the doors open, we make 3 million. Um, and once they're stabilized, they're worth about, you know, in this market, 22 million, but I'd say average 17 to 18 because right now it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So why self-storage? What, what intrigued you with self-storage? Why, why didn't you do multifamily, industrial, you know, you name yep. it. So when this billionaire told me that sentence I mentioned before that I was very fortunate for him to take me under his wing. And he said, you're good at, you know, a lot of things, but great at nothing. Um, I just said, well, I know there's so many things out there. Yeah. And looking back now, think about it. Everybody talks about trying to find the idea. Everybody. Like I'm looking for the idea. Maybe when I'm 40, the idea will hit me or 20, whatever it is. There isn't the idea out there. There's just mm-hmm. an idea. So uh, multi, I know a lot of guys in multifamily doing very well. Industrial. I like storage because I, in the farming world, you can do thousands of acres with very little people. And uh, I've owned apartments, as you know, and I didn't want the toilets and the headache and I didn't want people. So storage, you know, you, every 15 to 17 million asset dollar asset takes one and a half people. And every 15 to 17 million dollar asset has one bathroom. So that was my idea that I grabbed out of a stock stack of a thousand of ideas. And now I put my blinders up and I don't touch anything else. Yeah, smart. And I, and I like the, the way you just positioned that because you're right. And there's so many ways to make money in, in real estate, so many ways to make money in business. Like there's just so many different ways to make money. We can, all, we can do it all. We can say, oh my gosh, that guy is doing multifamily and they're just crushing it. Well, yeah. I'm gonna, that's what I have to do. Well, it's not what you have to do. You have to pick one, put your blinders on, like you said, and you have to focus on it. And that's what you have to do. If, if you try to either do everything or try to just pick what's hot today, it's, it's not going to work. Correct. And it's tough in our generation. So I, I really read a lot about psychology at a young age. Again, I'm a weird young kid, but I think it's interesting that, you know, we're in a society where people have shorter attention spans than ever. Books are getting shorter. You go on Facebook or any social media platform and you're watching a video you don't like, and it's, or it's longer than two minutes, you just pass. And that is really spilling over to the investment world. I mean, the average hold for a stock, I think, has dropped by like, don't quote me, but at least 60% you know, over the last 70 years. So what you're supposed to do is here and our society is going the other way and this gap's getting bigger. And um, I, if there's one thing I could tell kids my age or younger, I mean, I'm 27 still. Um, I'm just like, learn to focus and learn compounding and learn that Investing in something takes time and time isn't two minutes. Time is your life, your whole life takes forever. So, um, 27, you started when you're, whatever, what did you say, 14, 13, 14, yeah. whatever it was, Somewhere was your, there. were your parents entrepreneurs? Is that, they, they own the farm. Is that right? Yeah, so we farm. We we were only in in farmland in farming up until I started this Abernathy Holdings thing outside the farm um, when I was younger. So, okay, but for sure, my parents was there disbelief from like, wait, you're you can't do that, or was there support the whole way? Support the whole way. I awesome. I have the best family in the whole world. That's that's my cool. dad. That's cool. My dad. There's six of us, and 
I have three little boys. I have an eight week old here. Um, and so I'm, I hope I can be half as good of a parent as my mom and dad were. Um, but the cool thing is with six of us kids around the dinner table, we all have different personalities. And I remember one little thing I'll just share. My dad used to throw topics out at supper when all the kids were around and he'd notice whoever's head turned or eyes sparkled. That's the topic he would talk with them one-on-one -on -one about when they were alone in a car or something. So he was able to nurture each and every one of us in our said mm -hmm. talents. And it, you know, we have teachers in our family. My mom was a teacher and we've got me, we got a doctor, we've got a farmer. I mean, we're all different and it's not about the money. It's about passion and doing what you love. It's yeah. never about the money. Yeah. Yeah. If it becomes about the money, then, then it's no longer going to make you money. Correct. I'm pretty <laughs> lucky. That's cool. That's, that's really cool. Um, what, what did, what did the, uh, what's your, what's your friends think? <laughs> all my friends, my friends have never aged because they've always been 35 plus 50 plus, even when I was 10, 11. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that saying, like, I don't know what it is, but those older guys like, yeah, I get older, but my girlfriend's never aged. Like mine's the opposite. Mine's like, I get older, but my friends are always still 35 plus. I laugh. I told my, my wife, Lacey, she's even older. She's four years older than me. I'm like, it'd be funny when I'm actually in my thirties and forties and talking to people my age about this. Cause You've never, never done it before. <laughs> I've had friends and I've, and I've had fun. I have a, I'm a fun guy, but I have two sets of friends. I got friends that are like me and, and fun. And then my age, and then I've got my, my friends that I get to talk to about this stuff. So I'm not alone. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Yeah. So, so wait for five, five or 10, 10 more years. You'll be, you'll yep. be, uh, hanging around right. with your friend. <laughs> That's good. So let's just talk about, you know, you mentioned the psychology and reading some books and, and stuff like that. Let's talk about that. What, what's, what are some success habits that you've uh, created or, you know, uh, you've, you've, yeah, you have right now that that's really helped you become successful. Yeah. No. Um, one thing I'm trying to do better at, because again, I'm always trying to become a better person. Um, I've made mistakes in investing. I've, I've lost money and things, right? And I'm not sitting here saying everything I've done is a home run, but focus is well, one of the things that I have on my list of things to, to continue to do. Learn to say no 98% of the time, because I'm a yes guy. I love, I love smiles. My, I love people smiling and getting involved in things, but I got to learn to say no. Um, also, I've learned like trust. You can't buy trust. So that's something like, you know, if you have people in your team that you trust, bring them with you the whole journey, no matter what. Um, another and again, I'm kind of kind of going over the boards. I don't know if these are psychology or not, but like we pay 120% average market pay for, for, for our, our employment. A lot of these billionaires I'm talking to, all of them have the same story. They all pay above market because turnover is so expensive. Um, so the best ROI is in, is in our people. And then you, you, you are going to be who you hang out with. I think that's a really big one. Um, if you want to be a billionaire, you better hang out with billionaires, not a millionaire. If you want to be the best teacher in the world, you should hang out with the best teachers in the world, not the worst ones. If you want to be a, a violinist, don't hang out with the guy that plays the trumpet. You know, I just think if you want to be something, hang around them. And I, I've learned that. And that's been really a really great thing. And there's a lot of things I could ramble on forever. And there's things that I'm working on. I mean, I'm human. I'm 27, for God's sakes. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got a lot to work on. So uh, I think a lot of people listening to the show go, well, yeah, I want to be a billionaire or multi multi-millionaire, but how do I find them? How do I hang out with them? How do I get to know them? Like, wh where do you, where did you go to find a, you said you had a billionaire mentor. where did you find a billionaire mentor? Like, how you're do gonna, you find a guy like that? You're going to love this. And again, a quick story. Uh, my uncle sent me a clipping, newspaper clipping. I was probably 23 
And I woke up and I'm like, he's like, you know, this guy, I'm like, nah, his name's Gary Therrelton. He's the richest man in North Dakota. I'm like, geez, I never even heard about this guy. Like what the heck? Um, he started out in a farm town. He was a school teacher and selling insurance till 38, wow. bought his first hotel. And then from like 38 to 60, built 250 of them, sold them to Goldman Sachs for, for 2 billion. And he gave 800 million of it to his employees. Housekeepers were getting 60K. So that's his quick story. Okay. So anyways, I'm like, I want to meet him. So I, I called up his office. He didn't know me from Adam. I mean, we, nobody knew me in Fargo. We lived hours away. And I'm like, Hey, is Gary Therrelson around? And they're like, no, you know, he's not. So we'll take a message though. I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to hear back, but whatever. Two months later, I get a call and it was a cell phone. I thought it was a telemarketer. So I was about to kind of like, you know, do it. Yeah. But uh, he's like, Hey, this is Gary Therrelson calling you back. And it took me a couple seconds. I'm like, Gary, Hey, Hey, Xanders. We talked for an hour and then he flew in or cause he's out of town. We lived in Fargo. He flew back in and we started meeting weekly. And now we text and call almost every other day. And this has been five, six years. Um, there's so many stories, but it's just, you just need to do it. So many people like try to wait for the perfect opportunity or the weather's got to be perfect. The sun's got to be out. Just pick up your phone and do it. Go knock on a door, you know? So that, that's how I did it. You want to build a relationship some, with somebody. Yeah. You actually have to talk to them. Yeah. Surprising, right? <laughs> and that, but that's amazing that you actually did. You're yeah. young, you're twenties, you know, you just reach out to this guy and you talk to him and you know, chances are he's not going to reach out. He's not going to connect with you. Nope. And I had a list of 10 other guys I was going to call. Yeah. Too. It's a numbers game, just like investing. I mean, one will reach out. The yeah. rest ignored me. Well, and, and that's just how it is. I mean, this guy just happened to call you back and it was a couple months later, but you know, it happened and, but it wouldn't have happened if you didn't call, if you didn't leave the voicemail, um, it just would never happen. So, yeah, I'm a big believer in the life. Life can be whatever you want it to be. Anything in the whole world, not even about money, just anything. And I think so many people just get stuck. And, and another thing is I'm glad I did it young because if I, it, it was easier to do all this before kids and a wife, because now we're in a spot where we aren't as risky and we don't leverage as much, but before my kids and wife, I mean, if I would have lived in a box, so be it, you yeah. know, start over, go to work at Walmart. There, there's a good point with that. I mean, the people that are listening that are younger, that don't have the wife and the kids, or maybe you have a wife, but no kids yet. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I started um, just before my daughter was born and then my daughter was born shortly thereafter. But even that little period of time before she was born, I definitely took a lot more risks. Um, and now that my, we're definitely, uh, you know, we got older kids. It's like, eh, you know, I got to be a little more careful now. Yeah. Um, Another cool thing is time compounding. The most important piece of the formula is, is the time part. And so if you start young, so if you start, you know, later in life, your journey and time is shorter. So yep. that means your curve has to be steeper, which means higher risk to get to a goal, which means more odds of failing. If you start young and just try to hit double and triples and singles for your whole life, you'll be worth million is the, the least if you're talking in money because you have all the time. You yep. can't buy time. And I see so many people risking everything because it's okay to go and start a business, but like they risk everything like crazy, like lottery tickets. And by the time they're 40, they wake up like, wow, I've failed 17 million times because I kept shooting for the fences. If they would have just done a solid business plan at the start, 
and just put their blinders on, they would have they'd be worth millions at forty. Just yeah. maybe not millions, but you know whatever the number is, hundreds of thousands, and then yeah. at fifty they'll be worth millions and right compounding. Right. Compounding, yeah, beautiful. Um, what's a mistake that you've made that can teach our listeners something about how'd you learn from it? I'm an open book. Um, one of the mistakes that hurt me the most was I raised, um, I was probably 15 million into our fund. So this was back, you know, a few years ago. And I got too wide and I bought into um, a helicopter company, publicly traded. The numbers made sense. It was a Warren Buffett play. Um, I put a million in, it went up. I made a million. So I, you know, like in like eight months, cashed out, but then it dropped again and I put it all back in and I put another million in. So I was three in. 1 million of profit from before and 2 million principal and it went bankrupt. And so that was 15 to 20% of the fund at the time lost it all. And, um, that was my first down year. You know, we, we quadrupled in size returns and that year we dropped, you know, 30 or so percent, you know, off the leverage points and margin calls. And, um, we've recovered since then we're well past that point and, and going again, but, that was the moment where my billionaire friend told me that I'm good at a lot of things, not great at anything. And it wasn't even about it. My money, I don't care. That was my first feeling of other people's money. And am I glad I did it? Yeah, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, because since then, my focus is laser, laser focused. And I think that I'm going to, I think I'm going to be a better businessman the rest of my life because of it. And I'm glad it happened then and not, not an hour later. So was the lesson just that you need to focus on what, what you're good at, or was there other lessons in there as well? Um, pick an idea, focus on it, be careful with leverage, especially on things like that. You know, real estate's one thing, but don't be leveraging stocks. And, um, and, and, and I, and I'm glad I did this, but looking back, I was very, I didn't blame it on anybody. It was my fault. And I, cause I had to look at the face of 70 people. It was my fault. And I'm glad I did that. So just, if you do make mistakes, own it. And, what was the reaction like with your investors when you told them what happened overall? I'm sure there's individuals that had different reactions, but what was the overall, you know, feeling and reaction? Overall it was pretty good. It was kind of this more silent, eerie. Um, I think I was harder on myself than anybody. You know, there's a handful that just a feel of disappointment probably. Um, it was, it was a really tough time, um, but they were really good overall. And, and now they're telling me, of course, now after we've come back and done way better, they say that was the best thing that happened to you. But in the moment, it was hard for everybody. And I get that. But yeah. we, we came back and they're proud of me now yeah. because of what I did and didn't give up. Right. I'm proud of myself. That's okay to be proud of yourself. I'm proud of myself for that. I'm sure there was some, definitely some nervous people when that happened. Like, yeah. It was, you know, we lost something, but is this whole thing going to unravel? Correct. Now what? First time he's lost. It was scary. You know, it really <laughs> was. This is the worst time of my life. Yeah. But I'm really proud of, of what we've done since then. We're, we're the hundreds of thousands of percents bigger. I mean, we're well over hundred. That was back when we were like a 15, $20 million company. So losing yeah. 3 million bucks is a big deal. Big deal. It's a big deal. Whenever. It's a big deal. Now, yeah, exactly. Even at a hundred million dollar company, it's a big deal. Yeah, but so I made a mistake and it was because of focus. I thought I couldn't lose. Yeah. But you yeah. can. That's cool. Oh man. Uh, good stuff. 
I'm glad you shared the, it's, it's really important. I think for people to understand that stuff happens, first of all. Yes. And, uh, and the lessons you learn from it. So they hopefully don't make the exact same mistake. Correct. Yeah. Learn from these mistakes. Don't. Yeah. And that's the power of focus. That's the power of like really leaning into one thing and, and try not to be really good at everything. Um, it's so easy to do. So what's a, what's a daily habit or two that you have, uh, you know, wake up or go to bed or middle of the day or whatever. Yeah. I, uh, I, again, I'm big nerd on researching. So like you got the Warren Buffett's and the Jeff Bezos that they leave their calendars very open. So I don't have packed calendars. Um, I'm very good at delegating it. I have, I'm the dumbest one in every room in our company, which I like, you know, you have very smart people around me that run these operations. I wake up and I hang out with the kids. I don't make any plans in the morning. Um, I've been trying to get back in the gym lately. You know, I'm not gonna be 27 forever. Uh, I, I walk a lot and, and I, I try to learn every day and learn to listen more. And, um, and again, just hyper-focus. So those are just, that's just kind of my day in a nutshell, right? Um, I don't try to go meeting to meeting. I like to be in my head. I'm not afraid to be alone in my head. I think a lot of people are. Hmm. Be afraid, afraid to be, I, I'm, I, I think I probably am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A lot of people are, I think yeah. I should be on my mind's crazy. You don't want to get yeah. there. What's yeah. That, that's why I'm afraid of it. Cause Maybe it's, I cause I afraid. just like what happens in there is, I don't know. I, don't know. I know. Yeah. Uh, it's it takes a while to file it. That's for sure. And how do you like to give back? What do you like to do? Um, I look at for a nonprofit, like I do for profit. Um, I have a group out of Fargo. It's unseen They They fight human trafficking, but they have the lowest overhead to dollars raised that in, in, in any like history, it's amazing how low their costs are, which is big to me and how they do it. They don't send people overseas, um, to help kids. They, they train the people that are already there. So their, their returns on each dollar is hundreds of percents. If you want to look at it for life. So anyways, I focus. And I found one. So that's my focus. That's what I do. Um, so Abernathy Foundation, we have money coming from investors, including my own. And it goes right to that. There's no cost for the foundation. It's just kind of a, a conduit. Um, so that's what I do. I, uh, I do what I can to save, save kids from human trafficking. Again, there's a lot of, there's not the nonprofit. There's N, and that's just the one I picked. And the guy that runs it is, is amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, Two more questions. What's your favorite uh, business or real estate book? I actually just read, I have a lot that I love, but I was reading one that I love because I'm a history buff. 38 letters from John D. Rockefeller to his son, John. He had one son and he wrote letters to him and there's 38 of them and they're all dated from late 1800s, to early 1900s, but they're all filled with such good gems on life and what's going on. I just, I love it. I'm, I'm all over it. So I would recommend reading it. I think the philosophy in it's amazing kind of a mixture, that's cool. right? Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. So last question, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? My three pillars. Well, I've said a lot of them, but I'll just, I'm going to go over them one more time. Yeah. Focus, bring the people that you trust with you the whole way and invest in yourself. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So Man, this is this has been good. I could probably keep going. Uh, know, your your journey is so intriguing, man. It's just it's just we just don't see uh, this journey and and like I just I, I like love to figure out how you at such a young age, like did were your parents like feeding you books to 
No. Were they saying, hey, you've got to be an entrepreneur? Like, it's just so intriguing that at such a young age, you're like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invest in this stock market that just crashed. And and yeah, you said it was lucky, but I don't believe in 100% luck. I mean, the luck is, is the act. You had to take action, yeah. right? You had to actually do something. So you threw this money in the stock market, you made a bunch of money. Then you go on and start buying buying a part, like, like buying build, like who does that at 16 years old, go to a bank and say, give me a loan. Like I can't I give you a loan. You're, you're not even 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, so the journey is just so intriguing to me. Um, man, I just, just, uh, I look, I'm thinking about like my kids right now, you know, I've got a, I've got an eight year old and I've got a 12 year old and just like, wow, how, how do, how do I kind of, <laughs> without forcing right yeah. them to do something, but how do I kind of show them that this, something like this is even possible? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make them listen to this, I think. Yeah. And again, we can talk again, cause I can go into that so many depths, but I think, and again, I'm working on trying to be a good dad and I've got three under four and I've got a lot of issues and things that will come with age as we go. But I think showing them the whole world, all of it, sports, music, everything, and then really watching your kids and listening. I'm, I'm saying really watch them, their eyes, their, their actions. Find what they're passionate about. You can't give a kid passion. You, they, you have to let them show you what it's in. Like you can't, I can't make my kids be passionate about investing. And the odds are they won't. I just was. Business chose me. I didn't choose business. And my parents were just smart enough to realize my passion was that. Because if you look at all of our six kids, we're not all entrepreneurs. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. And that's Okay. I think that's a really uh, wise there is, is you can't, you can't really force that upon a kid and to teach them is one thing. And that, that's probably valuable, important to teach them how to be smart about their finances and invest and that type of stuff. But to expect that they're going to have that burning desire, that's, that's different and not everybody's going to have it. And quite frankly, most people don't have it. No, I, uh, I have a gift and I feel like I have a plan that I'm just trying to do the best I can on this journey and yeah. give back. You know, when I, when my wife and I talk all the time, like, you know, I do have aspirations to be a multi-billionaire, um, not for the money. It's just, I feel like this is my purpose. My sister, for example, will teach many minds. One of my sisters works at a church. She'll change many people. I think how I'm going to change life. So it's with my money at the end and giving it away. Um, yeah. so everybody has their vehicle to help the world. Um, they just need to kind of find it. And the younger you find it, the better. So don't look at money as the reason to be passionate. Just learn what you're passionate about and nurture it. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, cool. Listen, I really appreciate you joining me on the show and spending time with us. Ton tons of value here that you're able to give to our listeners. How can our listeners uh, reach out, learn, learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, um, It's personal page. And then abernathyholdings.com would be the business page and contact is on both. And I would love to talk with anybody about anything. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Andrew, really appreciate it again. Thanks so much for joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to 
more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.